I had the honor and privilege of preaching in our 9 a.m. service. And now in the 11 a.m. service, we've got a brand new speaker with a brand new message. Minister Aaron is going to be speaking to us here in just a minute. And um, hopefully soon he's going to become Pastor Aaron. I don't know when that's happened. We've got to get the ball rolling on that, folks. And so I'm so excited. Why don't you guys give him a big cornerstone warm welcome to Minister Aaron today. Well, man, thank you guys so, so much. It's an honor and a privilege to get to preach to you guys this morning. Welcome everybody on live stream. So glad that you guys are here. This is the first time I've ever preached to an online audience besides during total COVID shutdown. So hopefully I remember how to do this and interact with you guys. We'll see how this goes. Well, man, I'm excited to get to preach the word this morning. I'm going to jump right into it. And this morning I want to start off with a question. And it's not a deep theological question. Like Pastor Luke asked, asked us some like amazing questions this morning that hurt your brain. This one's a lot easier. Um, it's actually a question about when you were a kid. I don't know if you ever guys, you guys ever played this game. I used to play this game all the time in elementary school. And the game was called Boys versus Girls. That was the name of the game. Anybody else ever play a game like that? And this game had many different varieties, many different variations of it. But when I was in elementary school, the, the version that we played was, this, is, this was the game, okay? We would, I was on the guys' team, and uh, just to clarify, okay? And we would chase the girls around the playground and try to catch them. Why? There was no winner, there was no loser, the only object was, and then if, and if you caught them, you just turned around and ran away, and then they would chase you. And eventually, the, the goal, this never happened, but the goal, what we told ourselves anyway, was that eventually one team would surrender. But no, nobody ever did. It just was an endless cycle of every single day at recess. Again, boys versus girls. I'm going to chase the girls around, and they're going to chase me. And nobody ever surrendered. But surrender is what I'm going to talk about this morning. The title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to take notes because your memory retention rate skyrockets if you take notes, so I encourage you to take notes. And the title of my message is, I Surrender. I Surrender. And if you wanted a second title, it would be this, Bond Servant. There it is, Bond Servant. And that's a word that we don't really use a lot. It's really a word that's found only a handful of times in the Bible. And so we're going we're gonna to dive into what that means here in a minute. But before I get into that this morning, there, there's a blanket statement that I need everyone to understand. If we're going to really dive into the meat of this message, before we get into that, I need everybody to be on the same page. We need to all understand this one simple truth. And, and this is found in the Bible, I promise. I got a lot of scripture, so I promise. I, I read my Bible and I study all the time. Here it is. Here's the blanket statement. Living a surrendered life is the best and truest form of worship. Living a surrendered life is the best and truest form of worship. And I need everybody to understand this. This is key to the rest of the message this morning. And just in case you don't believe me, we're going to go to the Word of God because the Word of God is way better than me. So check out what Romans 12, 1 to 2 says. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. There it is, that surrendered life. 
Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Here it is. Watch this. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and custom of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Amen. Pastor Luke even preached about the will of God this morning. If you missed his message, you should find it somehow and watch it, listen to it, because it was awesome talking about God's will and God's character. And here in this passage is giving us the key on how to find God's will specifically for our life. How to worship God in the truest and most perfect way that we possibly could. And that's to live a surrendered life to our king. It's to live a life of total surrender. Okay, so living a surrendered life. What is that? What does that look like? What does that mean? How does that apply to me? Because this is Paul writing 2,000 years ago to the Roman church. But I don't live in Rome. I live in Fenton. And it's 2021, not like 60 AD. And so how does this actually apply to me? What does this mean for us today? We're going to dive in to that right now. And I told you I was going to introduce a, a weird word, a word that we don't use very often. As a matter of fact, when I texted my fiance what I was going to preach about, I was preaching about bond servant. She thought it was a typo. Because it's a, it's a word that we don't really use often, but here it is in Romans 1.1. This is Paul, his opening address. This is him saying who he is to the church in Rome. He says this, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Paul is saying, this is what I am. I am a bondservant of to, the, to Jesus Christ. I'm separated to the gospel. There's nothing that's going to separate me from accomplishing the task that I was put here on earth for, and that is to preach the gospel. He's, he's declaring that he is a bondservant, but since this word is really unique to us, I'm going to dive into this a little bit more. I looked this word up in the Greek, and this is, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, so Pastor Luke, you take Greek, tell me if this is right. It's doulos. Doulos, doulos, that, I don't know how to say it. It's not up there either. D U or D O L U. Nope, I did it. D O U L O S. There it is. I don't know how you say that in Greek, but that's what it is. Dulos. All right, this is the Greek word translated here, and it means that someone has given up the right to freedom. It means I willingly surrendered my life and gave up my freedom. That's what this word means. And, and this is amazing because Paul, Peter, and James, if you read their letters, all three of them open their letters with this same word, saying that I am a bondservant of Christ. And they counted it as the highest honor to be a servant to Christ, which is amazing because if you think about, this isn't even in my notes, but if you think about the before Jesus died and after Jesus died, Peter and James, they're with Jesus and they're like, hey, how do we be the best? And Jesus says, you must serve others. If you want to be the greatest, 
become the least of these. And we see that by the time that they write these letters, that they got it. They finally figured it out. It might have taken them 40 years, but they got it. And they addressed their letters to the churches saying, Paul, Peter, James, a bondservant of Christ. They counted it as the highest honor. To be someone who knew the price that Jesus paid on the cross. To know the price that he paid for their sin and to be willing to give their life in service for that love. Being a bondservant was a willing choice. Being a bondservant meant that I willingly gave up my freedom to serve someone because I loved them. And we see what this idea of a bondservant is actually introduced in the Old Testament. So we're going to go OT a little bit. We're going way back to Deuteronomy, to the Torah, and check out what, what God gave to the Israelites. This was a command. It's a kind of obscure verse in Deuteronomy 15. It's 15, 16, and 17. And this is what it says. If, or, but if your servant says to you, I do not want to leave you. That right there is just weird. Because he loves you and your family and is well off with you, then take an awl and push it through his earlobe into the door, and he will become your servant for life. Do the same for your female servants. Let me paint this picture for you. Because as I was studying this out, I felt like the Holy Spirit dropped this, this beautiful picture into my spirit of what this looks like. See, in the Old Testament, if you had a debt that you couldn't pay, if there was, if there was a debt that was so, such a crushing debt on your life, you had no means to pay it, you would sell yourself as a slave to someone to pay off the debt. And that's how you would work off your debt. And sometimes it was a lifetime that you would have to serve someone to pay off your debt. But here, God is saying that there is the case where, where you had a debt that you couldn't pay and you began to serve someone. And as you served them, as you, as you worked for them to pay off that debt, you actually began to love your master because they treated you so well. And you actually began to love their family and your family loved their family. And now you love them so much. You don't want to leave their service. They're taking care of you so well. And so to symbolize that, you're going to go to the doorpost. And I got this door right here. And you're going to go to the doorpost and you're going to get a nail. And you're going to take your servant and have them stand by the doorpost. See, you guys can see over there. And they're going to drive it through your ear into the door. And that will symbolize that out of the love that you have for your master, you will serve them for the rest of your life. See, but here's the most amazing thing. That's not the best part. The best part is there's another version of this story. It's the New Testament version. Because see, there was a debt that we could not pay. Romans says that this wages of sin is death. There was a debt that we could not pay. 
But see, here's the thing. We didn't have to work as a slave to sin any longer because Jesus went to the cross for me. And I don't have a nail driven through my ear anymore because he had three driven through his body into a cross. And now because of the love that I have for my master and my savior, I will willingly give my life in service of his love forever until the day they put me in the ground. I will serve him with everything that I have, not because I worked off a debt, but because he paid a debt that I never could. Come on, somebody. That's a good word. See, that's what being a bondservant to Christ is all about. That's what being a bondservant, a slave to righteousness means, is that I will willingly give my life for the one who loved me enough to die for me while I was still a sinner. And that should blow your mind. At least it blew my mind. Maybe it'll blow yours too. As a bondservant, your life is not your own. And today as we get into this message, we're going to look at a lot of the writings of Paul. Because I think if anyone got this message, it was Paul. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. He says, do you not know that your bodies are temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? That means if you are saved, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you now. Whom you have received from God. Watch this. This is it. This is amazing. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. See, Paul understood that when Jesus was hanging on that cross, when he had those nails driven through his hands, that he wasn't just up there dying. He was up there paying the price for you. He was up there paying the price for me. He, Paul finally got it. That my life, if I want to live truly surrendered to Christ, is not my own. But instead, I'm going to honor God with my body. You know, I was thinking about being a bond servant this morning, actually, as I was just praying for the service and I feel like maybe there's somebody here and maybe you're saved. But you haven't fully surrendered. You haven't made that step of I'm going to surrender everything. And you're doing it because being a bond servant sounds scary. It sounds like if I have to give up all of my pleasures, if I have to give up my life for the sake of the gospel, that's not the kind of life that I want to live. I want to live kind of a cushy Christianity that I know if I die, I'm saved, but that's it. Jesus, you don't really get the rest of my life. I want to challenge you that being a, a bond servant to Christ, totally surrendered, is the greatest adventure that you could ever, ever live. That being a slave to righteousness is the freest you will ever be. That if you surrender, surrender totally and say, Jesus, my life is no longer my own. It is 100% yours. Every single part of me, that is where you will find your truest fulfillment. That's what being a bond servant is all about. Okay, now what does this look like? Because this is awesome. Uh, We can go OT, we can go NT, but what does this actually mean for us? How, How do we live this out day to day? That's what we're going to talk about next. 
I think there's this misconception in the church as a whole, not so much in Cornerstone, but in the church, the global church as a whole, that people associate serving the Lord with church work or with pastors, with evangelists, with the people who it is their job to do the Lord's work. But I think that Paul wrote a different story. Paul wrote a different narrative. He says in 1 Corinthians 7, starting in 17, he says, nevertheless, watch this, this is amazing. Each person, if you're alive, you're a part of that, each person, should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Down to verse 20, Paul continues. Again, each person, there it is, that's all of us should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. If you were a slave when you were called, don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who was free when called is Christ's slave. Here it is. Watch this. This is amazing. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves to human beings, brothers and sisters, each person. There it is again, a third time. As responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. I think if in just a few verses Paul says that three times, that maybe we should pay attention. Maybe we should take note. Maybe we should begin to live our life in whatever situation you're in. Whether you're one of our amazing, amazing Ignited students and you just started school. Whether you own a business. Whether you're, whether you're an entrepreneur. Whether you're an employee or you're a boss. Whether you're a doctor. It doesn't matter what situation you're in. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom. It doesn't matter. In every situation, each person, whatever. Wherever you are in, become a bondservant to Christ. This could look like doing everyday tasks with a bondservant mentality. You know, it ignited a lot. There's a phrase that we use. The students have heard me talk about this a lot. It's called the kingdom mentality. We're going to have a kingdom mentality. What does that mean? I'm going to introduce you guys to it. This means that whatever I do, I do it with God's kingdom in mind. This means when I go to Walmart, and I know sometimes Walmart can be tricky, especially late at night. You ever been to Walmart really late at night? It's a scary place. Scary place. You're like, Lord Jesus, head down. I just need to get this and get out, spare my life. But even going into Walmart, and I'll be honest, I, I struggle in Walmart sometimes. I'm like, Lord, I know these people need Jesus, but I, just, I really need to get whatever it is I'm going in there to get. I just, I need to get this deodorant and I need to get in and get out. But it's living even in Walmart with a kingdom mentality. You know, rural king is a lot easier. Rural, I'm dead serious. Rural, rural king's like, that's still like the best thing that's happened to Heartland since I've been alive. Rural king showed up. Walmart was there. No, Walmart's gone. Rural King, yes. I was in Rural King the other day. I was buying something. I don't even know what I was buying. But I was in Rural King, and I walked up to the cash register, and I was 
paying for my whatever it was I was buying. And just because out of habit, the cashier behind the register asked if I found everything okay and if I was doing good today. And I told her I was and asked her if she was. And she said yes. And so I used Pastor Evans' famous line. I said, why are you good today? And she simply said, well, I, I got a job today. I'm working. But then she turned it around and she asked me and she said, why are you good today? And in that moment, I shared with her that I was good today because I have a hope and a savior. His name is Jesus, that I can live today with no fear, with no regret, knowing that I have an eternal place in heaven. I shared with her that I have a joy today because I have a savior. I shared with her that I have a love today because I have a savior. And, and there, was, there was talking to her, but even the, the bagger at the end of the register, she was listening. I didn't know she was listening. She was listening. And as I walked by to grab my things from Rural King, she looked at me and said, thank you so much. I needed that reminder today that made my day. It was the best thing that I've heard all week. And it was simply because I walked in to Rural King with a kingdom mentality. I had a kingdom mindset. I was living as a bond servant, even in Rural King. And it doesn't matter what stage of life you're at, what situation, what your living status is, what your job is. None of that matters. The thing that matters is that you decide to live surrender, that you decide to live a bond servant lifestyle. Whether it's in Rural King or Walmart. Now, in the church, I know that we love to talk about the freedom that we have in Christ. Today, I want to shift your focus because I believe that God sets us free, not just so that we can enjoy being free and keep it to ourselves. He does want us to enjoy his freedom. Pastor Luke talked about it this morning. That God wants salvation and blessings for all. God wants us to enjoy the freedom But it's not for us to keep to ourselves. But also so that we can use our freedom to reach others and to live a holy life. Romans 6, 15 to 18 says this. It says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves, watch this, this is amazing. To someone as obedient slaves. Again, that word slaves is that doulos, that bondservant. You are slaves to the one you obey. Whether you are a slave to sin, which pause right there, that means, if that's the same word, that means that you can willingly be a slave to sin. It means I can willingly fall back into the same sin over and over and over again. But God wants something better for you. Check this out. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or, here it is, I love this, I love the or, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey your heart, the pattern of teaching that now has claimed your allegiance. Watch this, this is awesome. You have been set free from sin And I have become slaves to righteousness. So I'm set free from my sin. I no longer am bound to this shame. I'm no longer bound to this guilt. I'm no longer bound to this addiction. I'm no longer bound to this sin that kept me in prison for so long. I am set free. But now because of my freedom, 
I'm a slave to righteousness. I'm a bondservant to Christ. I'm going to live my life with a kingdom mindset. I'm going to live my life with a bondservant mentality. I want to introduce a new phrase to you guys this morning. This is a phrase that I hear a pastor down in Texas that I follow. He uses this phrase a lot. It's simply, this is getting in the way of someone else's storm. That's what being a bondservant to Christ is all about. Getting in the way of someone else's storm. Whether that somebody's a family member, whether that somebody's somebody here at church. Somebody, if you know, you can walk into the church building and still be in a storm. Whether that's somebody at Walmart or at Rural King or somebody you meet at work. Get in the way of somebody else's storm. Worship team, you guys can come up. I want to close with this story. This is a, a true story of a man who I believe truly lived a bondservant life. This man's name was John Harper. This is the story of a man who died in the sinking of the Titanic. And this is a, a story that really is, is buried and isn't talked about much when you talk about the story of that sinking ship. But this is the story of a man who was a true servant to Christ. John Harper was a pastor from Scotland who was on his way to the United States to preach in Chicago. He was a widower and had his six-year-old daughter with him on the ship. And as they're sailing across the ocean, we all know the story of how the Titanic begins to sink. But as he is getting to a lifeboat, they're, they're willing to let him onto this lifeboat. Because his, he's a widower, his daughter only has a father. They're willing to let him get on the boat. But instead, what John Harper chooses to do is he picks up his daughter and he gives her a kiss one last time. He sets her on the lifeboat by herself. And he gives up his spot in that lifeboat so one more person could be saved. After that, he begins to run throughout all of the cabins. The rich cabins, the poor cabins, it didn't matter to him. And he began screaming and pleading with people, children and women, and those who don't know Jesus, to the lifeboats. Women and children and those who don't know Jesus to the lifeboats. And even as the ship was beginning to sink, he was using his very last breaths not to save his life, but instead to try and make sure that one more person would be in heaven for eternity. What's crazy about John Harper's story is as the ship went down and so many were struggling in the freezing water, John Harper was holding on to a piece of the ship's wreckage. And as he was bobbing and floating around in the ocean, 
he could be heard shouting as he struggled in the freezing water, fighting off death. His voice was heard saying, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Even as he struggled in that freezing water, he was using every last breath to point people to Jesus. And maybe my favorite part of this story, I'm gonna read it so I don't get it wrong, is that one man, four years after the Titanic had sunk, there was a reunion of all the survivors and he told how John Harper had twice drifted near him and called out to him, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And the second time, the man thinking that it might be the very last thought that he ever had, he prayed that exact prayer. And just moments later, the only lifeboat that ever returned to the wreckage came and saved this man's life. And four years later, as he stood up, sharing his story in front of all those people, this was his testimony, that I am the last convert of John Harper. Because as this man was floating on the wreckage, he seen John Harper take his last breath and sink into the freezing cold ocean. But even then, he was living as a bond servant to Christ. He knew that he had been set free from his sin to live as a slave to righteousness. And that is my challenge to us this morning, church. Would you take a moment with me and we're gonna close the service in a minute. Pastor Luke's gonna come up and we're gonna take that offering for Kendra and we're gonna continue to worship. And as we're worshiping, this is my challenge to you. Would you just take a moment and would you choose today just to surrender wholeheartedly everything that you have? Maybe you've been living that comfortable Christianity. Maybe you've been just coming to church, showing up five minutes late, slipping out of the door right as service ends. And you feel the Holy Spirit this morning challenging you, tugging on the strings of your heart, saying there's part of your life that's not surrendered to me. And this morning as we worship, my challenge to you is would you just surrender everything to the Lord and say, Jesus, you can have every single part of me. Jesus, I want to live like Paul, a bond servant to Christ, set apart for the gospel of Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning though. Maybe you're here and you say, Aaron, I've never even surrendered a little bit. I just showed up to church today, but there is zero part of my life that's surrendered to God. There's zero part of me that's living a bond servant life. That I'm here and I'm talk, I hear you talk about how Jesus paid the price for my sin, but I've never experienced that freedom. You're here and you're listening to me talk about how Jesus, he paid it all. How because of the love that he has for you, 
he went to a cross and had those nails driven through his hands and through his feet and he suffered the worst death possibly known to mankind. And he did it all because he loved you, but you don't have a personal relationship with that God. Well, I got good news for you this morning. Today you can. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And so could I have everyone just for a moment, just bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And if that's you this morning, you're here. And you say, Minister Aaron, I, I don't know that Jesus. I don't know that kind of love. I've never had my debt paid for me. I want to spend eternity in heaven. If that's you this morning and you want that, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's all it takes. And so if you're here this morning and you want that, I'm going to count to three. And as soon as I say three, I want you to put your hand up and I want you to put it up bold and I want you to put it up high because this is the best decision you could ever possibly make. One, two, three. If that's you this morning, you say, Aaron, I want to make that decision. Is there anybody in the house today that says, Aaron, I want to surrender my life for the very first time to Jesus? All right, church, I don't see any hands. Pastor Luke's going to come up and take away the rest of the service. And I just want to encourage you with this one more time. As as we, we worship this morning, as we close in worship, Just re-surrender your life. Declare to Jesus this morning, I am a bondservant of Christ. Amen. Great word. Thank you so much, Aaron. Great word.